0: I'm on. No, I'm off. It used to be that people didn't buy anything on credit, except for maybe a large purchase like a house or a car, but nowadays it seems like almost anything and everything is bought on credit, and that's not good. Generally, that makes for greater debt, which some people will never be able to pay, and we see it happening in our culture all the time, people declaring bankruptcy. And the scripture does not speak well of Christians who do not pay their debts. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. You know, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort to meet our financial obligations, especially when we're deeply in debt. And if you look at that scripture in in Proverbs where it says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower borrower is slave to the lender, it kind of puts us in a position that God doesn't want us in. As Christ followers, the only one we should be slave to is God himself. And debt places a stress on our lives. And if we're in debt, it can often lead to robbing God. And I don't know how many times I've had someone tell me that they couldn't pay their tithe because of their financial circumstances. We're so deep in debt that we just, we don't have money to tithe with. And think about what causes the debt that many people find themselves in. Um, We've just got to have. And you can fill in the blank. It can be something different for everybody. Um, Maybe it's motivated by greed. Maybe it's motivated by envy. Maybe it's motivated by love of the things of the world. But it puts us in a place that God never wanted us to be. Um, I found this article. It's it's uh, it's a story that's about ten years old, but it says couple a couple pays off forty six thousand dollars in debt, and after doing so, they throw a party. And it says for Sherry Muldoon, the credit card debt was forty six thousand two hundred and forty four dollars. I heard somebody go. Whew. But the the relief she felt after paying it off was priceless, so much so that the Colorado resident and her husband threw a party for friends and family after mailing off the final check. The event at a community center featured a cake decorated with the debt amount in green icing. The couple had been paying the debt for three years and seven months. Muldoon told the news network, adding that the last payment they had made was for $1,500. When we mailed that last check, I sat down in the car, I looked over to my husband, and I just burst into tears, she said. And the article stated that the typical American household with at least one credit card was nearly $10,700 in credit card debt. And the average interest rate at that time anyway ran from the mid to high teens on most credit cards. Muldoon said the soaring costs of their nine credit cards left them with two options. Either file for bankruptcy or make a drastic lifestyle change. They chose the latter. We changed everything to bare bones minimum, Muldoon told them. Basically, if it wasn't essential to support life, we didn't do it. What a great story. Dave Ramsey would be proud. What's that? What he calls it? Gazelle intensity. It wouldn't be great if all people could pay their credit cards off like those folks did. Wouldn't it be great to be out of debt? And Paul encourages us, as followers of Jesus Christ, to make sure that we pay our debts. And as good as it is to be completely debt-free in a financial sense, Paul reminds us here that we have a debt that we will always owe. Which brings us to this point. Our obligation to love is a continuing debt that can never be paid. You may be the richest person in the world, but you'll still owe people the debt of love until the day you die. God put us here to love one another, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we should love them any way we can, any way we can show love to a neighbor. And we need to show them love as as often as we can, and as long as we can. Origen said, The debt of love remains with us permanently and never leaves us. This is a debt which we both discharge every day and forever owe. Remember the song at the cross? At the cross? Where I first saw the light? There's a, there are lines in there that say this. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. So, as Paul says in, in chapter 12, verse 1, Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. I offer myself back to you in payment of the debt I owe. It's offering our bodies as living sacrifices. That's why the writers of the te- the New Testament Urged us in Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, Paul says, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. In 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse three, he says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. And in first Peter chapter one, verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from the heart. Our debt of love is a debt we will always owe and continually should be paying on. And so then, to love our fellow man then is to keep the commandments. To love our fellow man is to keep the commandments. Well, think about the Ten Commandments. The early commandments speak about loving God. The latter commandments are summed up into love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. What's that tell us? It tells us that we are to love ourselves. The problem is sometimes we distort that. And it becomes selfishness. But the truth of the matter is, God has given us value. He's given us dignity, approval, and self-respect. And as a result of what God has given us, and the way God's loved us, we are called to love people. Even people that are not like us. Even people that are hard to love God says that our highest obligation toward men is our obligation to love them this doesn't mean that other commands and other obligations don't apply instead it means that when we love when we are motivated by love we're going to get the rest of those commandments right we will do good we will reach out We will help because we love. In Galatians 5.14, Paul says the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We see that um, mirrored again in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing right. In 1 John 5.3, John writes, This is love for God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. And then in 2 John 1.6, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning... His command is that you walk in love. So, folks, to keep God's commands are to love God and to love our neighbor. There are things that we must do to show love, and that is by keeping God's commands. But it also is telling us that to love means that there are things we don't do. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever, whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. So to love people means that there are things we should do. To love our neighbor means there are things that we shouldn't do. Paul mentions the last five of the Ten Commandments in this passage and not the first five because his subject is a Christian's duty to his neighbor. It's the subject matter of Commandments 6 through 10. And when we practice love, there's no need for any other laws because love covers them all. If we love others, we will not sin against them. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll do him good and not hurt. You will neither covet his possessions nor steal his goods. You won't kill him nor lie about him nor have an inappropriate relationship with his spouse. Rather, you will be looking for ways to help him, encourage him, and build him up. You will be treating him like you yourself want to be treated, with lots of tender, loving care and kindness. So, if we love our neighbor, will we commit adultery? If, our, if we love our neighbor, will we kill? If we love our neighbor, will we bear false witness? If we love our neighbor, will we covet? No. If we love our neighbor, we will not sin against him. So to love means that there are things we must do. John thirteen thirty four says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And in 1 Corinthians 16:14, Paul says, "Do everything in love." That should be our motivation. Galatians 5:13, "You my brothers were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love." In Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to love them. Folks, we don't feed the homeless so that we can preach the gospel to them. We feed them because that is the gospel. We, um, when I pastored in Eastern Oregon, we had um, an author in our church. Her name was Karen Spears Zacharias. She wrote a book called, Will Jesus Buy Me a Double Wide? And in it, she gives the laws of love. And this is what she writes. If you open it, you close it. If you turn it on, you turn it off. If you unlock it, you lock it. If you break it, you fix it. If you can't fix it, you call somebody who can. If you borrow it, you return it. If you use it, you take care of it. If you make a mess, you clean it up. If you move it, you put it back where it was. If it belongs to someone else and you want to use it, ask their permission. If you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. If it doesn't concern you, just don't mess with it. And out west, if you open a gate, you close it, right? That's a great list because it focuses on how our actions affect other people. Are they loving? Are are they considerate? Are they kind? And if you follow that list, it's because you're thinking of the other person. We're thinking of the other person. Folks, true love involves a motivation that comes from our hearts. Paul says, think of others as better than yourselves. You know, we talk a good game about love, but sometimes our demonstration is lacking. We all agree that we ought to love God, we all agree that we ought to love one another. We all agree that we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we agree. But can other people tell? A young soldier serving overseas was writing a letter to his fiance. he He'd written only a few lines when he decided to express his great love for her more emphatically. I'll send her a telegram, he told himself. So he dashed to the telegraph office, completed a message form, and handed it to the clerk. It read, I love you, I love you, I love you, signed Bill. The clerk said, you can add one more word for the same price. The soldier scratched his head, puzzled over the telegram, wrote something on the form, and handed it back to the clerk the message now read I love you I love you I love you regards Bill way to top it off we often hear messages about love but our responsibilities as good Christians is to truly love one another In our prayer and in our worship, we say to one another and to the neighborhood and to the larger community and to the world, I love you. I love you. I love you. But then often, it comes through as regards. Cold and unreal. Folks, we need to realize this. There's no stronger demonstration of the truth of our Christianity and our relationship with Jesus than the way we love others. If we are true followers of Christ, we put our love into action consistently in as many ways as we can. If we're truly interested in being the church God has designed us to be, we will be devoted to loving people no matter who they are or what they look like or where they come from. If we are truly dedicated in fulfilling our mission to reach out in service, connect people with Jesus, and grow Christ-like disciples, we will love one another, and we will love our neighbors as ourselves. And folks, God has called us to literally love our neighbors right here in the neighborhood where He's placed us. Amen? And God help us to do that because that is what's going to make a difference in their lives. If we could have those who will be...